0: Hey guys, welcome to Prophecy 101. We're really glad to have you here. We're super excited to record this because even though we've been teaching this for years around the world, we've never recorded it. That's
1: right. And one of the things we want to start with today is just the idea that we recognize the subject or topic of prophecy is one that is very well covered by many people who are much more knowledgeable and have much deeper experience than we do. There are some phenomenal books on prophecy, phenomenal podcasts on prophecy, just excellent resources, and we are adding ours to the mix humbly specifically for the family of New Song so that we can lay a foundation for our church family as to where we stand in regards to prophecy. And especially in the climate that we've been in as a nation, even recently in the last few years, we've seen that those who have a national or even global prophetic voice have really been questioned. And as a result of that, that whole topic of prophecy has really been questioned by the church. And we want to lay a healthy foundation, not shying away from prophecy, but Placing a foundation into the core of new song so that we can embrace prophecy, walk in prophecy in a healthy and thriving way and understand it to the best possible measure that we're able so that we can employ this gift that the Lord has given us and not feel like it's an untouchable
0: topic. Yeah, that's right. And that's why we want to jump into this topic scripturally. And what I want to do is take some time to look at the first letter to the Corinthian church. And I want to point out that Paul wrote this letter not to the leaders of the Corinthian church, not to the men of the Corinthian church, not to the pastor of the Corinthian church. He wrote the letter to the entire church. In fact, scholars will tell us that Paul's intention was that the letter would have been read on a Sunday morning gathering, that the entire church would come around and they'd say, Paul sent us a letter and they would open up the letter and read the whole thing in one sitting. And this is a very long letter, as you all know. So what I want you to keep in mind as we share these scriptures is that this is written to the entire body, So let's jump in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This chapter has been Paul discussing spiritual gifts. And he wraps up chapter 12 with a final thought about the spiritual gifts and then interrupts himself, as Paul often does, on the topic of love. He goes into what we've come to call the love chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is actually kind of a gigantic parenthetical statement because he's been talking about spiritual gifts And then he says, by the way, there's something much more important, and that's love. And then he comes out of chapter 13 back into his topic of spiritual gifts. So let's start with chapter 12, verse 31. Paul says, but eagerly desire the greater gifts. And now I will show you a way that is beyond comparison. So he's about to launch into this topic on love. And now fast forward to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We've finished this topic on love. Verse 1, Paul gets back to spiritual gifts and he says, earnestly pursue love, and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. 1 Corinthians 14.3, look a couple verses ahead, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Paul has just now given us the primary objective of prophecy.
1: The takeaway of the person who is receiving any prophetic word that we give should always be a takeaway of either having been strengthened in their soul, having courage put into them, or having been comforted by the comforter who is the Holy Spirit.
0: So let's keep those three things in mind every time we're practicing the prophetic. And then Paul says at the end of the chapter, 1 Corinthians 14, 39, So, my brothers and sisters, earnestly desire to prophesy. And here's what I want to point out is that when that verse was being translated into the king's English for the first time, in the entire vocabulary, there wasn't a word that they felt was accurate in depicting everything that is meant in this word, earnestly desire. And so they drew from another powerful, very potent word, but one that usually has a negative connotation, covet. Many of you remember from your King James translations that this verse says, covet to prophesy. Well, that's why that word is put in there. It's because it's a very potent word. It's loaded. It means you've got to yearn for it, crave it, have your heart set on it. In other words, you've got to want it really bad. And this is one of the key things that hit me the first time I finally saw this verse for what Paul was actually saying. I remember years ago reading this and thinking to myself, I don't really desire prophecy. It's not something that is particularly attractive to me. I don't think that's my gift. I'm not compelled that way. And yet Paul is saying, earnestly desire this. So let me ask you, who is Paul addressing in this? Remember we said earlier, the entire church. His expectation was this would be read in front of the whole church. So Paul is saying, brothers and sisters, all of you should earnestly desire, you should want this really bad do we even feel that way? Do we feel like we really want this? So if not, Lord, change my wanter. For some reason, this is very important to you. I want it to be important to me. Help me to desire this gift.
1: The church in general tends to elevate certain gifts and minimize others, even to often the exclusion of of those gifts and prophecy has often either been elevated unjustly to where it becomes the primary gift or it has been minimized even to the exclusion of that gift in the body of christ we can see that those who have a cessationist viewpoint have taken certain of the gifts that paul enunciates in first corinthians 14 and have kind of done some cherry picking and said well this gift is still necessary to the church today this gift obviously ended at a certain point because it was no longer needed by the church what chris and i believe is that for us to do that we put ourselves in very dangerous ground And we need to look at the whole counsel of what Paul has said that the church needs in regards to building itself up as the body, rather than thinking that we are able to take Paul's teaching and say, well, you know, I think that was done away with at a certain point, so we no longer need it. In regards to the gift of prophecy, when Paul is teaching us that The prophetic is for encouraging, strengthening, and comforting. We have to understand these are things the body desperately needs. If we evaluate our own lives honestly, we can all say, I need encouragement, even on a daily, maybe sometimes an hourly basis. I need to be comforted. I need to be strengthened. And this is the purpose of prophecy. So we believe that within the church, and specifically within New Song churches, the The gift of prophecy is a necessary gift because there is so much misunderstanding about it or lack of education about it. Oftentimes people shy away from it. And that's the reason we want to focus on bringing it into the body in a healthy way to encourage, strengthen, and comfort.
0: Okay, so speaking of misunderstanding, how about this topic of the difference between something called the office of a prophet and prophetic gift?
1: Right, and that's a really important question because Paul does make a differentiation in his wording between the office of a prophet and the gift of prophecy. For example, in Ephesians chapter four, verses eleven and twelve, Paul says, "And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ." And again, in First Corinthians twelve twenty eight. Paul says, and God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and he continues on. So what Paul is addressing here is this idea of the office of a prophet or the office gifts. And so we want to understand that the one who walks in the office of a prophet is different from someone in the body of Christ who is practicing the gift of prophecy. Now, what do I mean by that? Why is there a differentiation there? Well, we can see as we study Paul's writings that when Paul talks about those offices that Jesus Christ himself gave as gifts to his bride to build up his church, to establish and root it on the foundation that it needed, that those offices were actually gifts of people to the church, We discussed this actually in some of our Foundations podcasts, and one of the first ones that we recorded, we talked about the offices that Christ gave to the church to build the church up, and the Office of Prophet is one of those five offices. Because of that, a prophet has a much broader scope for ministry than those who are practicing the gift of prophecy. A prophet will have the ability to bring a hard word or a corrective word to an entire body corporately. A prophet may even have an authority to speak to the global church because Jesus has appointed that person to be one who lays a foundation prophetically for the church and builds up the church prophetically. Conversely, the rest of us who do not walk in that office of a prophet that has been anointed by God, has been proven by God, and has been confirmed by God, those of us who are practicing the gift of prophecy through the empowering of the Holy Spirit, we are called to Encourage, strengthen, and comfort one another on a very individual, one-to-one basis.
0: So one is about the person. The other is about the gift. Exactly. Right. And so what we're talking about here in first Corinthians and the purpose of this prophetic teaching prophecy 101 is a focus on the gift of prophecy, not the office of a prophet. Exactly. Good.
1: So let's jump in now to the primary ways that we can practice the prophetic one of my favorite topics. In John 10, 10, Jesus is speaking about himself being the good shepherd. And he says many beautiful things in this passage. One of which that I have really grabbed onto is my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Oftentimes when we teach on the prophetic, the roadblock that we hit with people is they say to us, I just don't hear the voice of God. How can I practice the gift of prophecy to hear something for someone else when I don't even hear the voice of God for myself? Well, if you are a sheep following after Jesus, if you have been born again and you've been sealed by the promised Holy Spirit, you have the Spirit of God living inside of you, Amen. then you are yeah. his sheep and you do hear his voice. That's right. Oftentimes, it's simply a matter of honing our hearing, of teaching ourselves to tap into what the Holy Spirit is saying, to tap into the voice of Jesus in ways that we've never experienced before because perhaps we've never been challenged to do so or we've been comfortable in the level of hearing that we've been living in. So I want to encourage you, you do hear the voice of Jesus if you are His child. And what we're going to open up now are different ways that we can actually hear the voice of God. The Lord speaks to us through many different venues. Primarily, he speaks to us through scripture. I think we're all aware of that, that scripture is the primary way that we hear the voice of God speaking to us. In addition to that, we can hear the voice of God through someone else, a word of encouragement that they give us, which would be prophetically. We can hear the voice of God in a song. We can hear him speaking to us through nature. We can see him speaking to us through our children, through our spouse, through friends. There there are so many different ways that God is speaking to us because the truth of the matter is God is always speaking to his kids. But when it comes to practicing the gift of prophecy, we have learned in our experience that there are three primary ways, three categories of ways that we really hear God's voice in order to give someone a prophetic word. Those three ways are hearing, seeing, and feeling or knowing.
0: So let's open that up a little bit. Hearing would be that individual who The primary way that they believe the Lord is giving them something prophetically is through a voice. Now, I don't mean an audible voice, but I mean they hear in their heart or in their head, in their mind, they hear from the Lord.
1: It might be a phrase, it might be a scripture, it might be a single word, it might be a song. But in their spirit, in their heart, or sometimes in their mind, they actually hear words being spoken.
0: Let's compare that with the second way, which is seeing. So this is a person who the way that they primarily receive a prophetic word from the Lord has nothing to do with hearing. They don't hear anything at all, but there are images, there are pictures, there are scenes or scenarios, there are colors. It's all visual. And so for them, it's seeing.
1: And the last way is that feeling or knowing. And we can also call this a word of knowledge. It's that simple understanding in your gut that something is factual. Something is happening. Something is about to happen.
0: This has happened to me a few times. And one particular time stands out ministering to a woman who had been in the process of adopting a child for over a year and a half. She had made many trips to that other nation. She would spent much time with this particular child that she was going to adopt. And she came to church one Sunday and she shared with me the door had closed. It was no longer possible. And she explained all the things that had happened that caused it to become completely undone. And she was, as you can imagine, beside herself. And we prayed together. I didn't know what to tell her. I, I, I couldn't relate at all in any way. I didn't have any words of wisdom. But we began to pray together. And as we prayed, the Holy Spirit gave me an overwhelming, supernatural knowing that this was going to happen. And I was able to share with this precious sister and it broke off doubt, it broke off fear, unbelief. It began to actually stir up faith in her heart, in my heart. And we began to rejoice together and bring thanksgiving and praise to the King of Kings. And I think it was within six weeks, that little girl was in the States with her adopted mom. And what he wanted to do in that moment was give prophetic knowledge that this was going to happen. Hang on. Press in.
1: So let's talk about hearing specifically. This is actually the primary way that I get prophetic words from the Lord. But I want to just give it a word of encouragement. When I first started hungering for and desiring the gift of prophecy. The way I cultivated my hearing of the voice of the Lord was I would sit down with my journal in the mornings in my quiet time and I would just open up my journal and I would say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Cut out all competing voices, Lord. Let me just hear your voice. And I would sit quietly before the Lord and just meditate on scripture and just wait before him in the peace of his presence. And then I would just begin to write down in my journal everything that came to my mind just literally anything that came to my mind for maybe two or three minutes, maybe five minutes, then what I would do is I would come back to that journal entry the next day or maybe the next week and I would reread it and I would look and I would see, gosh, is there anything in what I've written that actually felt like it was the voice of the Lord? And I began to do this almost on a daily basis for quite a few years. And as I did this, my spiritual ears began to be honed, to be sharpened. And I began to realize more and more, oh my gosh, that was the Lord. I heard that scripture and it was from the Lord. It was applicable to what happened that day or the next day. I heard that word or that phrase for that person and it did apply to them in their lives and what they were going through. And my confidence began to grow. I began to be strengthened in the assurance that I was hearing from the Lord. And even now, that is the primary way I receive prophetic words.
0: And it's and it's not that difficult for you to test it because there are many times where you think you hear something and you can actually check to see if this is what the Lord is saying, go to scripture. You can see what happens the next day and compare notes. And that's why I love the way that you journal this experience so that you can grow in it and steward that gift. So let's talk about seeing, which happens to be the primary way that I receive prophetic words. And I'll share a testimony that I like to share because it's so vivid. And this happened in Costa Rica many years ago. We were ministering at a church late one night. This particular woman, From the moment that she came in, she was kind of hunched over. And she seemed to be, I don't know, I would guess maybe mid-60s. And so at the end of the evening, we asked her what she would like prayer concerning. And she said her stomach. So we began to pray and we asked her immediately, did she feel any difference? And she said, no, not really. And so we said, can we pray for you again? Of course. And so we prayed for her again and we asked her any difference. And she said, no, not really. So we said, well, we'd like to pray for you a third time. And she said, that's fine. And I was standing behind her. The interpreter was standing in front of her. And I suddenly saw a picture as I was looking at her of her spine, almost like an x-ray. And her spine was highlighted and it was crooked. And so I asked her, do you have trouble with your back? And she said, no, not really. Now, keep in mind that she's hunched over. (laughs) So I'm thinking, well, she says she doesn't have any back problems. And we asked her, well, is it okay if we pray for your back? She said, of course. Literally before I could even make contact with her back, the Holy Spirit hit her and she suddenly straightened up, completely straight (laughs) And she began literally hopping around the church. And I want to point out, prophecy opened the door for healing in this case. That's right. She didn't even come in asking for prayer concerning her back. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit knew that's what was going to happen in that moment. And in his goodness and his faithfulness, he touched her in that moment. And he happened to use a prophetic word.
1: So let's move on to talking about the types of prophecy that we might give to someone. Again, generally fall into three categories. There are many different types of prophetic words, but we're going to talk about three primary types. The first would be a word of knowledge, encouragement, or exhortation. And I'm going to land on the word encouragement because it is the most general type of prophetic word that we can get for someone. In other words, this is a word that we hear from the Lord for someone else's life that simply gives them encouragement in their circumstances, what they're going through in their life, in regards to their hopes, their dreams, those types of things. And it can be very, very simple, as little as one phrase or even one word, or it can be very complex. But the end goal of the Holy Spirit is to leave that person, whether they're a believer or an unbeliever, feeling encouraged. The second type of word that is actually one of my favorite types of prophetic words that the Lord can give is a word of identity or destiny. Now, This kind of prophetic word is actually tied to what I like to call original design. And that means that when the Lord crafted us in our mother's womb, he knew exactly how he was making us. He knew the gifts he was going to give us, the things he was going to deposit into our lives, the calling that would be on our lives, and the destiny that he has for us in the kingdom. And... As we grew up and experienced all kinds of things, what inevitably happened to us, to most people happens to us, is that those things that God originally put into our lives, in our DNA, get covered up by hardship, pain, difficulty, words of other people, things that we experience to the extreme that oftentimes the things that the Lord created us to carry are completely even unknown by us ourselves. And so what the Holy Spirit loves to do is he loves to remind people who they were crafted to be, believers and unbelievers alike. So when we're getting a word of identity, the Holy Spirit is wanting to call that person back to who he created them to be. Now, I have a great uh, story in relation to this. It was just such a powerful experience for myself and the team that was with me. We were in Costa Rica, and I had a team of teenagers with me, and we were practicing the gift of prophecy after church during the ministry time. And this mother brought her son up and asked if we would pray for him to get a word for him. And I said, okay, team, let's ask the Holy Spirit to give us a word of identity for this young man. So we all began to pray, and we all began to listen to the voice of the holy spirit and as we did i felt the lord say musician so i looked up and asked this young man do you by any chance play an instrument are you a musician And when I asked him that question, his eyes just got as big as saucers, and he said, yes, I actually play five different instruments, and music is the biggest part of my life. That began to open the door for a word of identity to come forth as our team began to minister to him. What the Lord began to speak to us was, this young man was created to release worship in the church. Mm -hmm. He was created to release songs that glorified the Lord, Mm -hmm. and the Lord was calling him back to that original design which had been lost in his desire to pursue fame to pursue glory to use his musical talents to basically bring glory to himself God was saying no son what I've called you to do is to bring glory to me and that was a word that marked him he was weeping by the time we got to the end of that because he felt the Lord saying remember who you are and remember what I've called you to do
0: and honey real quick the last type of prophetic word that we're all very familiar with is scripture. And I would say this is probably the most common way that the Lord speaks. He has spoken so much to us through his scripture that many times all it takes is for him to remind us of what he's already said.
1: Exactly. And this can come in different forms. You know, oftentimes as we're praying for someone or as we're in our quiet time before the Lord, the Lord could give us someone's name. Someone's name can come to our mind or to our heart. And then maybe even a reference. We might get John 3, 16 for someone, maybe one of our neighbors. And we can think, okay, God is telling me they need to hear the good news. He wants to bring salvation. Or we could get actually the passage and maybe hear that verse or see that verse that the Lord wants to give to someone. Or God could begin as we're in our study in scripture to highlight a theme from different verses and then put someone on our heart or on our mind to give that theme from scripture too. So those are some of the most common ways we can get a word.
0: And let me switch gears as we're getting ready to wrap this up. I want to share a couple of cautions and then a couple of maybe some do's and don'ts with regard to practicing prophecy. First of all, cautions Make sure when you're receiving a prophetic word or when you're practicing the prophetic, is this given with a motivation of love?
1: Absolutely. That's the primary reason that Paul interrupts himself between 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14 to have this giant parenthetical statement all about love.
0: That's right. It seems like he's chasing a bunny, but it's actually very intentional. He's inserting it into the spiritual gifts and saying, this matters. It must be done in love.
1: Especially the gift of prophecy.
0: The next thing is, does this agree with scripture? Now that seems kind of obvious, but we have to point this out because you're going to have to self-evaluate here. This word that you believe the Lord is speaking to you, is it already mentioned in scripture? Is there already some sort of a prohibition regarding this word? And the next thing would be, does it bring hope? Does it bring life to the person hearing it? And so check yourself this word that you feel like you, you need to bring, is it going to bring hope? Is it going to bring life to this person?
1: And lastly, do those that you are working with on a team or in authority over you agree with the word that you're releasing? Do they have a piece? Or conversely, do they have a check about it? This is one of the reasons why as you're practicing growing in the prophetic gifting, to work with a team is so important because as you practice in a group of two or three, especially if one of your team members has experience in prophetic gifts, it helps you to understand how to evaluate your gift. It gives you a sense of how a team can hear more strongly, more specifically, more intently from the Holy Spirit than even an individual person can in regards to releasing a very powerful prophetic word as we build one upon the other. But specifically in this regard, it helps prevent us from going sideways in a prophetic word as we submit it to the team or in those who are authority over us and say, hey, would you pray about this? What do you think about this? Is this from the Lord? And they can get a full agreement.
0: Yeah. And then I want to share a couple of do's and don'ts, primarily don'ts. And these seem pretty simple, but they need to be communicated. First of all, interpretation don't interpret unless the Lord gives you an interpretation. So that actually has inferred in the statement, you should ask the Lord for an interpretation. If you get an obscure or an oblique word that doesn't seem to make any sense, stop what you're doing. Ask the Lord, Lord, do you want to show me what this means? If he doesn't tell you what it means, just deliver the word that he gave you. Don't try To interpret it.
1: Go ahead and release it and trust that the Holy Spirit will bring interpretation in his time and in his way. As we think that we can understand what the Holy Spirit is saying to this person through maybe an obscure word, that's where we can begin to go sideways oftentimes. And we can release something over that person that isn't actually the heart of the Lord through the word that he's given us.
0: Okay, the next thing is really big, and I would say that this happens a lot in ministry environments, unfortunately, and that is counseling. Don't counsel. This is not a counseling session. It's not time to offer advice. Is it possible that the individual that you're ministering to and that you're giving a prophetic word to, is it possible that that person needs counseling? Yes, it is. Is it possible that you are the one that can bring that counsel? Yes, Absolutely. But don't represent yourself as bringing a prophetic word and then use that as a gateway to counsel. That's not the intention here. Don't say, Hey, I have a prophetic word for you. The Lord says, get up and get a job. Stop being lazy. No, that's you. That's your word for the person. And it may be an accurate word. It may be a needed word. For that, you should say to the person, Hey, can we meet for coffee? I've got a couple concerns to share with you. And then when you sit down for coffee, you can bring some advice. Hey, you need to go get a job. But in that ministry session where you are presenting, God is speaking this word to you. Don't counsel. Also, don't start with people that you know. And now this seems counterintuitive. But you can enter into a prophetic team with people that you know, but when you're prophesying over an individual, it's best to start with people that you don't know. We call this a clean word. And the idea is that when you're trying to give a prophetic word to somebody that you know, almost always you're going to have biased ideas. You're going to be predisposed in your thought process about that person. You know them, you know their likes and dislikes likes, you know, their personality, their character, their flaws, uh, their outstanding qualities, etc. And all of that will play heavily into your ability to filter correctly what the Lord is saying, as opposed to giving a prophetic word to someone that you don't know at all. It's a blank slate. And a lot of times it's easier to discern the Holy Spirit when you know nothing about that individual.
1: And lastly, don't assume that the time to share your prophetic word is always now. We might get a prophetic dream or a word and we assume, okay, I've got to go release this. I've got to email or text or go over and share. And we don't take time to check in with the Holy Spirit and say, Father, is this a now word or is this a later word? And with the prophetic timing is everything god can often speak a prophetic word to us and we can assume this is a now word and we could even change our whole lives based on that word that we think is a now word when the timing could actually be 5 10 20 years down the road so even in our sharing with someone a prophetic word we always need to be in the habit of checking in with the lord and saying lord is this a now word if not I'm going to hold on to it and continue to trust that you will show me the time to release it.
0: Yeah, I remember many years ago, this would happen to me with prophetic dreams. I would occasionally get a prophetic dream. I'd be very excited. I remember one time calling the individual the very next morning, immediately saying we need to talk, sharing this intense dream. Oh my gosh, you were on the edge of this volcano and you were falling in and all this stuff was happening. And the person on the other end of the phone was listening, thinking, I cannot relate to anything. Thing that you're sharing with me and it was just a total moment for me and I remember coming away from that thinking was that not a dream from the Lord and yet seven eight months later circumstances changed in that individual's life and I remember seeing so clearly "Ah, oh, this is the moment this is the moment where he was supposed to hear that prophetic word Ask the Lord. Now, if you're in a ministry setting where you're gathered around somebody specifically praying for a word, you can run it by the team, but it's pretty safe to say that it's a now word. But in general, as you're practicing the prophetic, don't make assumptions. Ask the Lord. I want to conclude with an exhortation to challenge you to practice the prophetic. There's a reason why Paul says, listen to me, entire church, listen to me. You've got to want this gift really badly. There's a reason why he says that. And part of the reason is because this is so near and dear to the Father. He's always longing to speak to his kids. He's always longing to encourage his kids. He's always longing to bring a word of identity, a word of comfort outside of the church and in the church. Can you begin to get a sense for his heart, for humanity? You're in a grocery store and there's individuals in that grocery store that need an encounter with Jesus. And the heavenly father is going, where's one of my kids? where are my disciples? Where are my followers that I can say, go speak this word of identity to this grocery store clerk. Go give this word of encouragement to this individual on the street. He's constantly looking for us to be open and listening and responsive because there's such a massive need. All of us are so in need of hearing from the father. And this is his heart. He wants to speak to us.
1: So thank you for joining us for the basics of what it looks like to release God's word to somebody that you love.